0: Narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. I'm really uh, intrigued by Berlusconi because the parallels between Berlusconi and Trump are just phenomenal, I and mean, they're not even just parallels; they're just deep connections between these two two people. Um, yeah. You know, jog our memory a little bit about who uh, Silvio Berlusconi is.
1: So he he's, uh, he gets dismissed as a bit of a clown, which is wrong because he put the template down that Trump actually follows. He was a, billi- a real billionaire. Um, um, owner of TV networks, owner of TV advertising uh, conglomerates. So he had more control than anyone since Mussolini of public opinion. He was a business tycoon. And he came in um, right after the Cold War and he brought, he normalized the far right. He actually brought the uh, former neo fascists into the government. And he established, so this was one thing he did that Trump would do. Then he He was hugely corrupt. He was under investigation when he uh, came in. He he was in briefly in 1994, and then he was in two terms in the early 2000s. And he he didn't destroy democracy, but he wrapped the law around his personal needs. So for example, uh, when he was accused of bribery, he had parliament pass a law that made bribery a lesser offense. And there's a whole category of these laws called ad personam laws, meaning about the person. So he did a huge amount of damage with his corruption, and he also had ties to organized crime. Um, oh, what first, a surprise! <laughs> yeah, his, his right-hand Stop man, Marcello lutri was actually yeah. convicted of Mafia Association in 2004 during Berlusconi's first uh, term of the 21st century.
2: I want everyone to understand, that doesn't happen. So. If you if you actually were connected to uh, 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 of the leader, of the nation at the time, and and brought under those kinds of organized crime charges, that means the evidence was overwhelming, mm-hmm. and you're not a little player. Um, he he was he, there's a a syndicate that he was uh, a part of, um, yeah. that there was no escaping this. I mean it's 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 that it's so corrupt what this guy and he's so mobbed up. He's such a mobster himself that he—they he, had to charge him. That doesn't happen in Italy. But, so that's a, that should be like one of those things that's just a blaring red flag of uh, that Berlusconi himself is also a, a member of a crime syndicate.
0: It's a Sicilian
2: yeah. crime family, so right?
1: This guy was Sicilian, yes. and he—he was the—he was the, yes. um, the entree, the liaison. And in Italian law, though. Um, you can you have to be there's three levels that you have to pass to get really convicted to make the conviction stick that's right so the supreme court didn't do it until 2014 which meant that delutri was like around being the mobster from 2004 to 2014 and then he tried to flee but by then berlusconi was out of office but so that part of of the Trump template was also set. And plus Berlusconi was a superb right. propagandist. He understood, he was a TV guy. He was not, uh, one of his failings is he, a he was a generation. Yeah, but he was a master and he, he had uh, endless rhetoric about witch hunts, about plots against him, about uh, prosecutors and journalists who are out to get him. So he was the victim. He was the right. aggressor and he was the victim. so he used to call himself the Jesus Christ of <laughs> Italian politics.' Amazing. You know, he, so, the whole Trump template.
0: The ties between the Sicilian mob and and Trump as well I mean there's direct ties' LB, aren't there between the Sicilian mob and and Donald Trump's fa- and especially Fred Trump.
2: The crime family behind Fred Trump and the Trump the Trump organization and eventually Donald Trump, the origins of that crime family are the same uh, the same crime family that, that was actually involved with Mussolini's family, um, wow. uh, and the, his, so it's going back all the way it's then, not that, it's all the way back. It's not that long ago. I know we're, I, know. I don't, to me, a hundred years, isn't that long ago. No, and it nice. wasn't even that. Um, so, you know, we're just talking about a couple generations really, um, uh, with the, yeah, oh, that were removed true. from these guys. And, and it's a familial structure um, so that when it gets mixed in with politics at that at that level, it, it matters to say it was a generational thing because it's not going to change
0: the relationship between Putin and Berlusconi, because like the relationship with Trump <laughs> and and Putin, these guys are close. I mean, they're really close.
1: So I start the book with this crazy scene where the night that obama was in 2008 people were waiting to see if you know what would happen obama would would be elected Uh, berlusconi was with an escort he was married of course but he was always with escorts and uh they they were wiretapping him because of his corruption and so there's dialogue that's captured i used to start the book where He's the woman says, uh, he says, oh, let's go have showers and wait for me on Putin's bed. And she said, oh, Putin's bed, the one with the curtains, because Putin had given Berlusconi a bed. And they wow. were very, very close. And, and he bad, was. Of all uh, That's the gift. And then later. But, exactly. It's probably and later cameras Berlusconi in that bed.
3: Probably. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Berlusconi gave Putin a duvet with their faces silk screened on it so right. they could sleep. I, don't know. I know, The whole yes. thing. So talking about the male bonds, but they, that's a very important precedent for Trump. There's some big differences, but so they were very, they were authentic friends um, and, Ber- and Putin looked up to Berlusconi in a way. And Berlusconi also didn't have the financial needs that uh, Trump has. He wasn't in debt. However, he... Um, they personalized uh, Russia-Italy foreign policy to the point where uh, the foreign ministry and all diplomats were kept in the dark and uh, Berlusconi and his bad man, Valentino Valentini, who spoke fluent Russian, they took over a foreign policy toward Russia themselves because they had all these deals going. Wow. And so, yes. The Smells like Jared corruption. Kushner. <laughs> yes. So this privatization of foreign policy because of the bonds of these male leaders is one kind of strong man uh, principle. And, mm. this, and, and so many, many things about Berlusconi and the relationship with Putin recur, although Berlusconi wasn't he became a client of Putin more overtly when Putin became more extreme and by then Berlusconi was caught. He was having to take more and more extreme positions because like on, on Ukraine, Crimea, etc. But um but there were many things that were the same in terms of the uh, end of accountability in foreign affairs and the need for secrecy More
0: on that coming up, but I did want to um, raise this interesting clip it 's going back to putin 's bed and and their their sort of <laughs> sexual adventures i don 't know what they were doing together the bunga bunga parties, or whatever they were called um, There is a yeah. Anderson Cooper talking to the reporter in Italy on the day that um, Berlusconi was first sentenced I think to seven years and he describes what these women were doing at the Bunga Bunga parties. And you know, it's eerily uh, reminiscent of something else. So let's take a listen. This all began at one of those infamous Bunga Bunga parties uh, that Berlusconi used to throw, right?
4: Uh, That's correct. And uh, Mr. Berlusconi
1: always insisted that these were uh, elegant, parties in good taste but certainly the details that have, uh, have coming out come out uh, during this trial point to something quite the opposite uh, they point to basically call girls being uh, hired to perform at these after-dinner parties
3: uh, in the so-called bunga bunga room uh, where some of them for instance dressed
1: up as Obama and engaged in sort of semi-erotic fondling of one another for the pleasure of the guests
0: so, I mean, you know, when have we heard that before? We've heard that about Donald Trump, yeah. you know, having these sort of sexual yeah. fantasies around uh, Obama, and here's, here's Berlusconi doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, and the Boonga Boonga name was given by his great friend Gaddafi, mm. uh, and they used yep. to party together as well. And one thing, one point I want to make that is that the the... These, these guys are like hoarders in a way. They they need, they have a, a kind of maniacal need for our attention 24-7, for our money, for national resources to be plundered like Putin does and Mabutu right. did, and for bodies. And so, so several of them have sex addictions. And I write about those. I write about the Bunga Bunga parties. I write about... You know, Gaddafi keeping sexual slaves and it's not for sensationalism, it's because what it's like as though Jeffrey Epstein were the head of the government Mm. and he hijacked secret police and all of the state resources to fill his private obsession because these guys need pipelines of bodies just like Mm. they need. I make an analogy between just as they capture the nation's resources and the wealth. They also need bodies, and the difference is that Trump was had this set up with the same as Berlusconi, the beauty queens, the models, and you know he had to close it down when he came into office. But Berlusconi was doing it, and the others of the 20th century were doing it when they were in office.
0: Mm, like vampires, yeah.
3: vampires. Yeah.
1: Yes, I, I think, for example, Putin is a vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they suck the life out of the the nation. Um, and at, at its yeah. most extreme, when you have kleptocracies, they are like a vampire, like yeah. figures. Yeah. Yeah. So. I
2: see three things with these guys and, and the underworld that's, that they come out of. Cause that's what they're coming out of. Um, it, you see, there's always arms dealing, <laughs> It's yeah. going on, right? You've got some major arms deals in there. Um, you see, uh, the looting of national resources, as soon as they get in, it's the gas proms, it's the oil in Libya, it's whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's just looting from the people for themselves that then gets pushed through their criminal syndicate. Um, And you see banks, Mm -hmm. you see banks, these guys all, they're all, they all have banks at their, either at their disposal that are state banks or banks that are someone else's state bank that help to put them into power in some way.
0: I want to play you another clip. This is Berlusconi in 2017 thinking about a comeback, believe it or not. And he's thinking about a comeback right now, and he's still involved in politics as we speak. But in 2017, he sat down with Shane Smith of Vice News. And it really tells you a lot about Vice News and who they really uh, might be representing. But it's a really interesting tell-all about uh, Berlusconi's life. And he talks about what he did with Putin and uh, George Bush and how he brought them together and then he talks a lot about the relationship between Putin and uh-huh. Trump. Really fascinating clip. Yeah. So let's take a listen to it and then uh, we'll talk yeah. on the other side.
4: Here I'm on a pool, a jacuzzi, a sauna, a vapor. What is this photo? This photo is ensemble for the earth. Putin, Bush, and you? what do you think of Putin and what do you think of Trump? <laughs> Dobbiamo fare di tutto per riportare la Russia nell'Occidente. Vladimir Putin è un leader eccezionale. Io sono legato da un'amicizia fraterna a lui. Quando io e Putin siamo scesi nelle vie della Crimea siamo stati circondati dai cittadini della Crimea che lo baciavano, le signore anziane che piangevano. Grazie Vladimir, siamo ritornati a casa. Mr. Trump non lo conosco, non l'ho mai incontrato, credo di sapere perché gli americani l'hanno scelto. Donald Trump è entrato per molti anni come star della televisione nelle case degli americani e è diventato qualcuno a cui si dà del tu. Come gli italiani mi chiamano Silvio, lui lo chiamano Donald. Io desidero che Mr. Trump e Mr. Putin possono incontrarsi, capirsi e diventare amici tra di loro come io ero riuscito a far diventare amici mister George Bush e mister Putin. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, I mean, so many interesting things there. But there he is doing Putin's work, really. Um, and yeah. uh, and they really yeah. are cut from the same cloth. I mean, it, there's, noth- there's nothing to distinguish them. And then, of yeah. course, taking them to Crimea, you know, taking Putin to Crimea is the only place he'll be popular, I think, in the world.
2: Any time Putin comes out, there's an yeah. old lady crying, yeah. just so everybody understands. That's a, that's a piece of propaganda. <laughs> that's oh, that immediate- whole thing was propaganda, yeah could make sure, and then and then Berlusconi just described trust washing. He just basically said, "Yeah, Mark Brunette took him and made him familiar for you guys, so that
1: you would install him." Yeah, like, oh, just okay. like me, yeah, just because everyone knows
0: me, Silvio. <laughs>
1: Because Putin's, you know, he, in other ways, a vampire, he's needed, uh, you know, he's had these enablers uh, who have who've worked for him to get what he wants in the West. And he had Gerhard Schroeder very early on, and then Bush was supposed to be the next one. So Berlusconi was the one, you know, pressing for him to get in the G7. And, and, and then, you know, Berlusconi uh, didn't last in power. And so I recount in the book, then he found Trump. You know mm. which was the big the big prize um to no he know, has neither it's, uh,
0: so we'll see what he happens neither now it does you know yeah. you can't separate them in fact you've got the mob you've got russian intelligence you've got russia, the Kremlin involved in this takeover of countries i mean there's you, you know there's a common thread here um and it's not just happening to america it's happening it's happened at least to other democracies in the world um and it all seems to go back yeah. to Putin
1: yeah. Yeah, between between uh, that, what he's doing there, and the uh, f- increasing effectiveness of his propaganda abroad through RT, mm-hmm. you know, RT is being normalized more and more. Uh, my mother, unfortunately, uh, has, she's almost 90 and she lives in England, and she's become radicalized since the pandemic because she watches RT. Oh, wow. Uh, she used to watch Sky News because she's always been on the right. So BBC was like way too leftist, mm-hmm. but she, she watched, she was a conservative and now she's radicalized because she watches RT and she's worried about white extinction and she won't take the vaccine and it's a nightmare. And she, that's just, RT has made a great inroads. So this is part of his, you know, yeah. plan, uh, to, to, you know, arrange things so, so that he can have his hegemony and take down the U S uh, he's Indeed, announced exactly.
0: increased spending for RT and then today I think he passed a bill saying yes. that uh, former presidents are immune from prosecution in uh, in Russia. So mm-hmm. everything he's done doesn't have to pay for in any yeah. way later on, um, which is fascinating in itself because, of course, there's so much crime that comes out of Russia um, and out of the mob in Russia. Uh, And here it is infecting our world. Um, When I looked at your, you know, I went through your book and I kept like writing notes about these different things that you need to be an autocrat in this modern day, a strong man. You need the media, of course. You need the new media, specifically Trump's case. He loves Twitter, but whatever the prevailing new media of the the era is, they seem to use that. And then the traditional media, sort of the state media, um, which is often run by friends or sympathizers of, of the autocrat and he's used for propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about the media play and how important propaganda is in um, in setting up these autocrats.
1: Yeah, what's really interesting, so, so every chapter, um, the core of the book are these uh, chapters on these tools, right, the corruption, the violence, the propaganda, and each one goes over a hundred years, which made it challenging to write. There were many times where I thought, why didn't I just do the easy thing and have like biographies, you know, but it's
0: really interesting. You did but, a great job. I really enjoyed the way you did it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah it was it really like hard, dream. but it really yeah. is. Yeah. Cause the idea, I wanted people to see what changes and what stays the same. So for example, propaganda it's repetition and saturation of the national or whatever marketplace. So we have that with, you know, from Mussolini to the slogans and all of these men who have success. It's really interesting. Uh, many of them come to uh, office with some background in communication. So they're very good sloganeers. So mm-hmm. Mussolini was a journalist. Yeah. Mobutu. Mobutu had been a journalist. Interesting. Um, and Hitler yeah. had been a journalist. Yeah. And then I he took hypnosis lessons. P- Hitler took voice lessons, hypnosis lessons. Yeah. And uh, so they know how to make slogans. They know how to connect authentically up to Modi, who uses Instagram. Mm-hmm. So so that's very important but one thing that's changed is um so before like Mussolini passed a a law or an edict that said that in 1939 you couldn't have headlines with question marks because you know it was all about Mussolini is always right and you had to lock down meaning but the newer playbook of the 21st century which came come from Putin is that you throw question marks up about everything and you use conspiracy theory and confusion so that it's not clear what the truth is. So although there are continuities in saturating with messages and repetition um, and also censorship, of course, sometimes deadly, right? Putin kills journalists saying the wrong thing. But there's also this new, uh, the 21st century uh, playbook of confusing people and the fake and, news strategy,
0: which seems to be and
1: the fake omnipresent,
0: yeah. Which is, you know, they start off really quickly yeah. at the beginning of every uh, strongman presidency or leadership. They say, you know, they immediately alienate the, the media as being the enemy of the people and immediately That's declare right. them fake news to prepare the nation, I guess, for what's coming. Right.
1: That's right. really important. In fact, uh, what Trump has done, and, and this is a way you can see uh, who, if you're looking at somebody on the rise, you say, are they going to be strongmen? One of the things you look for is them demonizing journalists on their way into power, right? Because now you have to run for office. And um, one of the things Trump has done is that he not only had traditional American enemies, like African-Americans of, of the right, obviously, migrants, people of color in general, but he added new political enemies. He made the press into an authentic political enemy, even using the you know authoritarian slogan, they're enemies of the state um, and And the reason they do this early on though is because they're corrupt because when they get into office and then their secrets are going to be revealed uh, by you know the media, they need their followers to already think that these media are biased mm. and to already right. hate them. So that's part of the playbook, uh, and we saw Trump doing that from the very start.
2: And we saw Trump admitting that that that's why he was doing that. Yeah. He was asked that by Leslie Stahl, point blank, and that's he said, right. "So that when you say things about me, they won't believe him." Now, what I what I want to do, just in terms, I want to ask you this: in terms of how you wove this all together, and you saw that there's a there is a playbook. There's a strong man playbook. It's very, there are very specific things, especially in that toolbox and very specific ways to, to write about stuff. Considering who we know Donald to be, Uh, I, what I get frustrated with, and I just want to ask your opinion on this and your take on this. I get frustrated with the, our media's constant framing of him, that he's just sort of stumbling into his fascism. He's just sort of stumbling into his strongman thing. He doesn't, it's just like, it's a natural thing for him. Whereas when I look at it, knowing what I know, I'm like, he's trained, he's crafting this shit. He knows what he's doing. And so I always come back to who trained him? I don't think he just sat there and did his homework. The guy doesn't read. So who trained him to do this with the press, do this with that, do this over here, make sure you say this, we're gonna do this with the migrants, here's the plan, here's the roadmap. Uh, it, I'm, it just seems to me that there's, and I'm, I'm trying to be careful with it because it's Zev's program, and I don't want to say something. But, you know. Everything it's my, it's my Look, he, he was trained, he's a yep. trained propagandist, he's trained in all these techniques. Yes. He's been giving them, he he could even be just taking instructions regularly so that he can keep following it, but you, there's no way that this guy himself just went into some deep dive early on in his life no. and did the kind of research that you did to put this book together to, knew, to know what he had to do. Uh, no somebody trained him. there's a
1: couple of um parts to the answer one is that um he's been surrounded his whole life by master manipulators of of information from roy Cohn to roger stone that's right. and, and i didn't know this uh probably a lot that's of people right. knew it but i i didn't that roger stone and um and Paul Manafort had a lobbying firm,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and they worked for yeah. dictators. Mm-hmm. They worked for Mobutu, That's right. and I already That's right. had they Mobutu did work for in Mobutu. the book. That's right. That's right. I, That's I, right. I was like one of these, like, oh, because I already had Mobutu in the book, and then I discovered that uh, Stone and Manafort yeah. had worked for Mobutu, and they worked for oh. Ferdinand Marcos. And they were, yes. this is unbelievable, they were hired in 1985, I found the Foreign Agent Act that they signed Yes. Um, yes. explicitly to run this fraudulent snap election. And so That's right. So here we have uh, propagandists who have worked for dictators, we have people specialized in election fraud. And then of course, we know Manafort worked for Putin and all the rest. But. There's also, uh, I think that Trump learned a lot, like Berlusconi did, from his success in marketing and his success in entertainment, right. because that's that's part of it. Knowing how to seduce the crowd, the rallies, all the things we talked about already, that's part that's learned from experience. And the White House photographer, I, I'm forgetting his name, but he is he has photographed everybody from uh, Reagan onward. Yes, Mm -hmm. he said that he he photographed uh, Trump and he said that no other person, not even Reagan, was so attentive to every tiny detail of his image, Mm. except for Trump, even like the millimeter of his cuff. And so Trump is a highly trained uh, visual animal. He's a highly trained propagandist. And he surrounded himself, and then we, let's not leave out Steve Bannon, who's made it, who is a far right propagandist, professional propagandist, who's made films, who's, he's dedicated his life to overturning democracy. So just those people alone, and then there are the junior, uh, you know, quiet extremists like uh, Miller, you know, who's young though. So, if we just leave leave him out, but these are men who he's surrounded by men who have decades of experience in undermining democracy.
0: Let me add some That's more really names scary. to that, at least some really interesting coincidences or, or not. So, I, this is all out of your book. You know, they had they, Beresconi and Trump both have Putin in common.
2: <gasps> I love these two orange guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They
0: both have Deutsche Bank.
2: They both have Deutsche Bank.
3: They're
0: very tanned, very well tanned. They have Deutsche Born Bank in common. They have Libyan oil in common. There's a whole thread around Libyan oil they have in common. Yeah. They have the Sicilian mob, as we've discussed, in common. And they also have yeah. Rupert Murdoch in common, which is an interesting thing. And Murdoch, oh, is, Murdoch is more of an opponent to uh, Berlusconi originally in Italian politics. But at the end, yeah. uh, they became allies. So, yeah. we're not allies, more both business partners. And so, you've got a lot of the same framework building these two... Um, we we haven't be,
1: even begun, uh, LB. When you're saying people don't like to hear this, people can't even digest half of what no. is going on. But Will they? It's crazy. It's, <laughs> it does. Yeah, make it it makes crazy. Us
2: all crazy. Just everybody is like, ah, uh, you know, we can't get ahead of share, how, yeah. how we share what we share. It's too threatening,
1: much. and that's and that's also why one of the things uh, that's so sad is that time and again people don't want to see what's in front of them. And they have these cherished national myths, like it can't happen here,
3: mm-hmm.
1: or he, it's, it's less threatening to think of Trump as incompetent, as just, you know, getting lucky at this or that and just wanting to golf. And I've, I must have said a, a million times that the golf, like he, he had no interest in being a president by normal standards. The golfing is the corruption. Mm. He's, he's spent right. one out of every three days Making golfing money. because Making he's, money. <laughs> he's turned the presidency into a for-profit, private profit enterprise. Yes. It's not that he's lazy. He's actually worked extremely hard at the things he cares about. Mm. Um, the tweeting, you know, what, like over 100 tweets a day. He's working hard. It's just that the goals have nothing to do with public welfare. And, and also when you say things, which I've done since March, uh, people kind of recoil like that he really doesn't care if you live or die. And, and yeah. this is also connected, because he's connected to organized crime and that's how they think. It's a very bleak uh, way of looking at the world. Absolutely,
0: but, but he doesn't. It's he like doesn't
1: too care. much for people this, to yeah. digest. I and think
0: they don't care. really look no. at, the, at the people behind uh, him, you know, they' right. they can look they, they think the buck stops at Trump. But when Trump goes, actually the machine's still there. Um it's That's not going to stop problem. doing what it's got what it's done, and will continue to do it. One of those people that I find so fascinating, and it's only because of Opus Day that I'm bringing him up is is Bill Barr's role because Bill Barr oh, has yeah. has a tie into oh, Opus Day, yeah. and Opus Day has a tie yes, into uh, Berlusconi. So That's So yeah. so tell us a little bit about that uh, really fascinating triangulation.
1: So one of the the things that comes uh that I learned a lot myself doing this book uh, uh going over 100 years is you get these little through lines mm-hmm. and I couldn't develop all of them in the space I had but one of them is Opus Dei. So um which you know is a is a very um extreme Catholic sect with a lot of power. And they first came into the dictator world um, in a serious way when they, with Franco, Francisco Franco. Uh, and by the way, Franco's, we, th- we know that Nazis went to Paraguay and, and all these other uh, places in South and Latin America, but they also, a lot of neo-Nazis and neo-fascists went to Franco's Spain and they right. got refuge right. there. So Opus Dei took care of Franco's uh, economic policy. And then uh, that gets continued in Chile under Pinochet. Uh, Opus Dei, again, is very, very important behind the scenes doing the neoliberal uh, and other kinds of uh, economic policy. So then I start, uh, you know, I start uh, researching Trump, and I find that a number of figures from Pat Cipollone to Bill Barr to Larry Kudlow who was Jewish but was yeah. converted by uh, a priest who is part of the Catholic Information Center that's affiliated with Opus Dei. There's a there's a large yeah. amount, a large number of people at the very top of the inner circle of Trump who are affiliated with Opus Dei. So we don't hear about that. Um, we hear more about the evangelicals. Uh, Uh, But the Opus Dei is highly secretive and it's connected to Vatican corruption and all kinds of financial corruption. So it was like every through line from the authoritarian past comes home to roost in the Trump White House. Uh,
0: LB's got a lot on Opus Dei as well.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Well, let me just ask you, Ruth,
1: did you find any spies in
2: the Opus Dei? Were there any spies in there? Uh, you, you probably know it. much more than I do. I- I, this is one of those things that you know is again, you don't want to get ahead of people because then they think you're it, it's too much, <laughs> right? It's like ah, it's too much. But it it the uh, the the sort of average American's understanding of the way that the world works, um, from the underworld up, is just very naive and very movie. You know, it's like a movie. They'll mm-hmm. they'll buy the movie version or they'll buy the The novel version, but when you get into it and you start really thinking about it, it's hard for Americans to to make that connection, just as hard as it is for them to think, oh, my God, we might have a president who doesn't care if people live or die because he doesn't have that same, you know, because there's real evil going on here. It's too much for them. Um, But, you know, I just asked people, so I'll just throw this out for the audience. I talked to Zev a little bit about this ahead of time. Sorry, my nose is so itchy. Um, But. You know you have to understand when it comes to the vatican that this is everyone just think of it historically everybody of what is that what what did the vatican how much power has it had how ancient is it It, it's a what kind of uh, geopolitics has it been at the heart of And how long has it been at the heart of geopolitics? How has it shaped world power from centuries ago? It's a force, right? It's a force. It has its own banks you know what's in those banks we don't know it's the most secret this are the most secretive banks in the world right mm-hmm. we do know that there's organized crime money in there we do have assassinations along the way just even in the last hundred years that are and even from the 80s on that are big assassinations associated with the vatican bank associated with all this and it also the vatican the catholic church from the from the pope down is the largest sort of the wealth of their real estate holdings all over the planet. So look at it like that, look at it like a geopolitical force, Mm. look at their reach, look at their wealth, look at how ancient they've been. And then ask yourself, would a force like that not have an intelligence agency? Does it make any sense that they would not have an intelligence agency, that they would not yes. have secrets that they have buried deep in there, that they wouldn't have their hands in other nation states in ways that allow them to have levers and controls? Um, does that make any sense to anybody, that that wouldn't exist? And then take a look at people like Ro- Bill Barr, an intelligence agent, Opus Day, Robert Hansen, right? A big spy for the KGB, Opus Dei, whose brother-in-law, Opus Dei, wrote Bill Barr's speeches. Just start looking at it like that because people want to go, oh, Opus Dei, it's a crazy dominionist religious sect. Instead of thinking uh, of it, yes, there are people who follow that discipline. There are people who are Opus Dei that are followers that practice that. But we're talking about operatives here. We're talking about... People who actually were intelligence agents and they all end up being Opus Day. Or people who were attorneys it deep in there, Opus Day. Supreme Court justices, Opus Day. Look at it yeah. that way and start really thinking about what is this? What is this fucking organization? <laughs> What's going on here? You know, sorry to swear, Ruth.
1: I don't want to it's okay, it's okay. No, but uh, you know, Marcello Dellutri, the 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 senator and right-hand man of Berlusconi, who we talked about, was convicted of uh, Mafia Association. He was not only, he was from Palermo. He wasn't only Berlusconi's link to the to the Mafia, but uh, he was opus, He was affiliated with yeah. Opus Dei as well. In
0: 1982, I think uh, there was Pope John Paul II, uh, I think, um, who actually made Opus Dei directly report to him. And it's one of the few sects or whatever it is of the catholic religion which reports directly to the pope and there's probably a good reason for that because he probably wants direct knowledge and control um you know when you pull back from all of this you've got these these autocrats sure they exist as lb let's go full circle to the beginning mentioned at the beginning it's there's people enabling them. There's an establishment enabling them. Whether it's, um, you know, whether it's the churches, whether it's the media institutions, whether it's the royalties of the period, or the monarchs, or the older families, or the organized crime families, there is a force of elite people seem to be behind all these autocrats. They may not identify with them, but when you look back, they all seem to have mm-hmm. those backings. I think of the Koch brothers and the Koch family, which supported. Stalin, Hitler, and Trump. I mean, you know, you've got families like that that have done this for generations. So these guys are not just strong men on their own. They didn't just stand up and become strong. They've been made strong by their enablers. And we tend to stop just at the lines of, of who these individuals are. We don't go and yeah. look beyond them. And that's really where all the action is.
1: Yeah, and that's why I wanted to, uh, of course, even though the book has these protagonists and I do talk about their you know personal traits because when you have uh, this kind of when you ex- exercise this kind of power your personality as we see with Trump uh, sets many agendas but th- doing the tools um, for example let's keep to corruption it allows you to um, highlight these enablers and I think I have a sentence in the book you know he's nothing without his enablers mm-hmm. from the very start the, p- the polit- it's the political, and financial elites um, who are so important at the start, but they, they continue on. Um, and everything that the, these guys do is also uh, to reward these enablers. So one of the things like people don't know about Mussolini, they think, oh, like today there's this, this crazy right-wing talking point that says that fascism was left. So they can blame all the violence on the left. When, of course, the the left was the earliest to target of fascism, but nobody knows that Mussolini, you know, was backed by the big uh, financial and business elites. And the, one of the first things right. he did when he became a prime minister, so he was he's also really relevant because he was prime minister for three years in a democracy. Mm-hmm. And during that time, he he that's when he established the template. But the first thing he did in 1923 was to privatize major industries like. What, equivalent of telecommunications, insurance, like big sectors were privatized. And this was his gift to the elites.
0: Like a trillion dollar tax cut, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and and even with, with Trump, of course, who has he really, you know, allied with? He has his faux populism, drain the swamps and all that, but he's privileged big agriculture, big pharma, big, you know, logging, mining. And it's really sad if you look at uh, he's rolled back over a hundred environmental uh, regulations and health, you know, health uh, like uh, food sanitation, all to please the the big capitalist interests.
2: The tax cut, yeah. right? This sort of
1: tax scam, but right? the exactly. largest
2: transfer of wealth uh, from from the uh, uh, middle income and the poor to the wealthy elite in fricking history. Mm-hmm. That was the largest transfer of wealth in history.
0: It's a really insane amount of money when you think about the situation we're all in right now. The, um, the, you mentioned Mussolini was uh, prime minister for three years, and then he became... The, the, what was the title? I don't know. El Duce? Was that the right thing? Uh, Duce. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's and- the leader.
2: Yeah. Right. El Duce is the leader. Yeah.
0: And so that, that transition, and we look staring at, you know, people are concerned as they look at the January 6th date, at you know, the Republicans in the, in the House and in the Senate trying to overturn this vote and yet another, you know, stir about whether there's going to be some sort of coup attempt or martial law or God knows what Trump might do. As you look back at all these strong men and you look at their playbook, does, does that playbook help you identify what might happen?
1: Oh,
2: totally. Yeah, how does it end um, for them? Give yeah. us the Christmas cheer. Because <laughs> well, they all end a about-
1: very specific way. Very specific way. Well, one thing about Mussolini first, which is so relevant, um, you know, he, he declared dictatorship because he was the, the subject of a special investigation that was going to send him to jail mm. because he had his socialist opponent, who was very popular, killed. And when I went to, to grad school, I learned that it was just about politics, that the guy was this big, you know, he was the head of socialists, so he had to go. What, what and this is, LB, we were talking before the show about. Uh, corruption research. Well, what's come out like not that long ago, is that this Mattiotti, the head of the socialists was an early corrupt anti-corruption crusader. And he was spending his nights right. and weekends. Uh, he had a huge book that he compiled of all the financial crimes and bribes of the fascist party. And he was about to oh, reveal wow. it to parliament. And so he had to be killed. And then that set off a crisis that got Mussolini in the middle of investigation. So the first dictatorship in the in, in, in 20th century was declared to get out of a corruption scandal, hmm. uh, which is pretty relevant for today.
0: And so the second part of the question was, can you help predict what's going to happen? What's Donald Trump going to yeah. do? What's Donald Trump going to yeah. do?
1: So I had to turn the book in in uh, July, and I had time to uh, fit in the Black Lives Matter protests and the uh, Lafayette Square, so I didn't know how the election would go, but what I was able to say is that there was no way he was going to go quietly, and that he had every incentive to try and remain in power, and that nothing, uh, they will do anything to stay in power. Nothing is off the table. Um, and I actually see. I'm not surprised at what's going on now with the coup stuff, because the the what went on in the summer, uh, where you know Tom Cotton bring in the troops. This was a test, because this is what these guys do. They test c- mm-hmm. continuously. And this was a re- rehearsal for the election and, and this transition period to see how much support he would have uh, to have some kind of military action. And that's why they've it was psychological warfare where they flooded, you know, D.C. with all these unmarked uh, troops and all of that business. But this was like a mini, as many people pointed out, was like a little bit of a weird cooish environment uh, ambiance going yeah. on
2: how much can you test it let's just test it test it test it push on it push on democracy see does it matter if we grab people off the street and throw them into unmarked bands right right I mean, yeah so there was so, a lot it was a lot of that very when people putin-esque, say institutions of,
1: yeah yes totally totally putinesque uh and pinochet x um yeah. but when people say oh you know we, we in fact what we did uh, knowing all we know about Trump and company, it's, it's incredible that the election uh, got, you know, voted him out because people had to vote in, in really difficult circumstances with the voter suppression and yeah. the pandemic. But we did it. And it's very rare that a country has the uh, has the chance to interrupt a process of authoritarian capture by a criminal mm-hmm. <laughs> and get rid of him.
2: That's, That's a great line. line. Yeah. Authoritarian <laughs> capture by a criminal criminal.
0: We interrupted yeah. it. We interrupted it. I didn't we realize did. I yeah. that was such a rare thing, actually. I would have thought that it is. there might have been other instances of that. That is, that is good to know. Uh, helpful.
1: It's unusual, so That's we have to feel line. really, really good about that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't think the regular military is going to go for his thing, but, you know, as you know, he's, he's got these kind of paramilitary, you know, and he's turned ICE and, uh, you know, Homeland Security into this kind of paramilitary this militias. I think that he'll have, to, in the end, he'll have to go. But he that he's going to try and make um, America as unstable and violent as possible, uh, not just him, the GOP, so that uh, the conditions are there for something, uh, you know, just as bad or worse later on.
0: And even though people like Berlusconi have been voted out before, and they've also come back, and so even if he does go, you know, people people think he might just disappear into the ether. Others say he'll stick around, either as an you know, exiled leader of the GOP, he has been exiled from, from Washington, but still running the GOP, or uh, might even start a breakaway movement of some sort, or a third party, in order to return either in 24 or, or whenever, 24 or, or whenever.
1: Yeah, I don't really see him giving up all these souls he's captured. uh uh, because they need psychologically he needs these crowds and he also needs to keep the GOP domesticated for the reasons that also LB was talking about the male dominance I can't see him just giving that up that's not how these guys work (laughs) yeah um what he'll do I'm not sure but he's he has he needs to uh he's not going to give up his investment
0: And it's not just his it's also you know Mm -hmm. Russia which is hacked our our, uh, institutions now, and and these other enablers. So we're still not over it yet, even though it does seem like we've performed a bit of a miracle by electing Joe Biden. Um, Thank you so much, Ruth Ben-Ghiad. Thanks for joining us on the show today. What a great conversation. The the book is called Strong Men, Mussolini to the Present. There's
2: the cover. It's really a good read. It's really good. You you guys just got to hear how Ruth speaks her, her language. You're so unique and uh, your ability to weave these stories together, weave these men together in a way, um, a, a, it just it, it was I found it to be searing and quite wonderful. And and it, you know, it's gonna be a good listen, guys. So you can get this tell everybody where you they can get the book and that you know, honestly, just just get the audio book. It's great. Just yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do highly yeah. recommend the it. Audio. it Really, I, I it was such a privilege to read your writing. It really was. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you it. both for having me. I had a great, it was a great yeah. conversation. It's nice to be able to speak uh, frankly um, to to people who understand at a very high level what's going on in, and in some areas far more than I do. And that's great. You, you can get the book, uh, any independent bookstore, Amazon, uh, the audio book is out. Um, and uh, I, it's, I hope you'll read it.
0: Thank you, Ruth. Thanks so much. And it really does place all of what we're going through in an historical context, yeah. which is, you know, we forget. This is we're part of history. There's a lot of going on here. There are forces yeah. at play. And you've got to understand those forces in order to defeat them. And that's why, uh, that's why we're doing what we do on the show. And that's why this book is so important. So please go out and, and read it. And thanks very much for joining us tonight. On
1: Thank narrative. you. Thanks, thanks,
0: everybody. Thanks, Ruth. Bye, i
1: Bye. Merry Christmas.
0: Narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative.